Ravens dismantle the young Texans 34-10. The 49ers barely squeak out a victory versus the Pack. The Lions head to the NFC Championship after late Bucks rally. Chiefs showered in snowballs as they escape Buffalo with a win. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast. Welcome to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright, as always, with Chris Kostich and CJ Medeiros. All right, guys, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Good news is we've reached the conference championships. The bad news is we only have three games left up until the, the offseason, and then we're not getting football again until September of 2024. So... Some good and some bad, but we have some divisional round games to cover. A lot of good games. It was this. This was a pretty good. Com, uh, this was a pretty good divisional round, all things considered. All uh, three out of the four were one score games, and the Ravens Texans. I know the the final score is thirty four to ten, but for the first half, it was actually a pretty close game. It was the you could actually see the Texans having a shot during that game. So pretty good divisional round. Um, so we'll start off with the Ravens, who dismantled the young Texans 34 to 10. Um, so yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, 252 total yards, four total touchdowns. This guy had a vintage Lamar Jackson performance. Didn't do much through the air. Only threw for about 152 yards to, uh, total um, in the passing game. But I'm going to say this now. This may actually be their year. This feels like 2019, except without the little chokiness that they had during that during that span. That Ravens team was one and done, right? They, they faced a, a team similar to this Houston Texans team, and they got routed. This team? They actually beat they they took care of business. It got it was close in the beginning, but they leveled out and they pulled ahead. And it it did not feel like this game was in doubt towards the end. I'll let you guys discuss. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this seems like the Ravens' year. It's I've said this before, Lamar isn't just a running quarterback. He has shown that he can be a passer. And that was, and I said this uh, on Friday too, the big thing that analysts are pointing out with Lamar is that, you know, Adam, you pointed out the 2019 season. In the 2019 season, Lamar had very significantly better passing numbers in 2019 compared to this year. But the difference between 2019 and this year is that Lamar is actually proving that he's more of a passer by the way he's actually playing, not just the stats. He's not 
looking at his first read and just bailing out and running immediately. He's actually looking through all of his progressions before he takes off and runs. And that's kind of helped him develop more as passer because now they're being more efficient and it helps open up the run game for him to rush 11 carries for hundred yards. You know, we, we haven't seen Lamar rush for a hundred yards that often this year. And when it does, he's very dangerous. And this is 100% a Ravens team that can and will win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Yep. CJ? So, I, I want to open this by saying I know that the Texans were competitive for a bit. However, I did mention this last episode, how I think the Ravens could have come out in a bit of a fog, you know, from the bye week. And I said last week how it would probably be a little competitive early on, but as the game went on, the Ravens would snap back to form and they'd start to pull away. This is exactly what happened. And the Texans, look, we can all tip our hats to them, but we knew they weren't going to make the big dance, you know, just because they're too young. They're they're not a bad team. They're just too young. And, you know, give them a few years. They'll, they'll be a juggernaut, or at least they should be. But the Ravens, oh, man, just this – you know, Lamar Jackson with a career high in passing yards this year, you know, like you said, just playing overall like more of a passer. And it's it's been great for them. And the defense has been stepping up, and he has weapons this year. Like He is like good people to throw to, guys getting open. They're not the most perfect team in the world, but, oh, man, they have their eyes set on that Super Bowl and – I think you guys are right. This could actually be their year because the the chokiness and the gimmickiness around them, it's gone. It really is. And Lamar is starting to develop that killer instinct. And now, well, it's got to be Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, I always said that I, I do not believe we will ever see a dual threat quarterback like uh, one like Lamar Jackson, the one who his you know his rushing ability is the central is the central use of his game i never thought that that would that one would win a super bowl and generally i don't think that's the blue, blueprint that wins super bowls but there is an exception to every rule and i wonder if this is the year where it's going to happen because the other teams around uh, that are left they're all they're not too special either I mean, the Chiefs are as vulnerable as as they've ever been. I mean, the, the 2019 Chiefs were a lot better than this one. The 49ers, I mean, that's a, that's a team that I saw that would that could win the Super Bowl. That, but the Ravens beat them up just over a month ago. So you look at the rest of the teams around the league, I'm pretty sure they've actually beaten the crap out of all of them. Except the Chiefs, who they just haven't faced that faced yet this year, I, I believe. Is that is that correct? I I just don't yeah, have the. I'm pretty sure that's correct. No, I don't believe they have yet. Yeah, they've kicked the crap out of everyone else who's left. So, it really is Super Bowl or bust. I understand that I've always spoken out against uh, quarterbacks who rely on their running game, but if there's anyone who can do it, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. And he has to be looked at as the favorite at this point. Uh, he he really has to. And I'll even go this far. If he wins a Super Bowl, as if he hasn't already been considered this considered this good, we may have to look at him as better than uh, Josh Allen, perhaps maybe even Joe Burrow. 
he may be better than everyone else besides Patrick Mahomes. Which is a lot to say about a running quarterback. Because that's very hard to do as a guy who relies pretty heavily on his running game. Not Not trying to say that he can't throw. Not saying that at all. I'm saying that that is the best attribute of his game. So that's something to look at. All right. I want to move on. We are going to head into the 49ers on the NFC side on the Saturday night slate. It was the 49ers against the Packers, barely getting out alive against the 9-8 and eight pack. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, Chris Kostich, CJ Medeiros. All right, so the 49ers barely, and I mean barely, beat the Green Bay Packers 24-21. to So the Packers, the Packers snuck into the playoffs on the very last day of the, of the regular season. And then obviously you have the 49ers who have been have been rolling through this regular season and also became the number one seed. Um, They did not play like that this past weekend. Uh, Neither of them played like they, they have played all season long Um, in good ways and bad ways. And uh, this was a back and forth game, quite a few lead changes and the 49ers barely came out alive 24 to 21. Uh, Jordan love threw two touchdown passes, also two picks. Brock Purdy threw one touchdown pass, 252 yards. Christian McCaffrey rushed for two touchdowns himself. Guys, what are our thoughts? Well, the Packers, you know, they, I said this about the Rams, but the Packers are kind of like the Texans where they were ahead of schedule. And they, by the help of Matt LaFleur and his coaching ability, they were able to get the seventh seed. And in a in a year that they probably that they're supposed to be in a rebuilding year. So props to them. On the 49ers side, it's not surprising that they won. Um and even if you look at the past matchups between LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan, uh Shanahan has had LaFleur's number, uh especially in the last two playoff meetings that these two teams have had. Um so it's not too big of a surprise it was a big surprise in the way that this game kind of played out though because you know the Packers kind of had control of the game for the most part Brock Purdy didn't really have that great of a game he kind of got off to a slow start the rain was kind of bothering him he was switching out between a glove and not a glove to start and he was having a tough time with the wet ball. Like there was a couple times on the drop back where 
mid drop back, he's going to his towel to wipe his hand off mid drop back. And that even that was screwing up his throwing. Like it, it was definitely a little weird to see a quarterback do that. It, I don't know. But at the end of the day, Brock Purdy and the boys got it done. Uh, CMC, if not Lamar Jackson, should be MVP. Um, but this wasn't the biggest su- surprise in the world to me. CJ? I I did not expect the Packers to put up this much of a fight, but at the end of the day, their flaws just outweighed San Fran's. And a lot of people are quick to jump on Brock Purdy. However, like Chris said, I think that the weather played a big part. But then again, that also does go on Brock Purdy. He could not handle like a little bit of rain. You know, he's the ball is leaving his hand prematurely. You know, he had a bunch of passes just kind of sail on him. You almost got picked. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's wiping his hand off like during the play. It was just it was bad. Luckily, you know, you have CMC to rely on. So, so you know, I'm not going to harp on it too much. But Jordan Love, I'm in. He came out there and then he and everyone says, oh, you know, third straight Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, guess what? He certainly inherited Aaron Rodgers losing to the 49ers gene. Oh, he certainly did. Because he, he came out and he played really well. And then the defense under everyone's favorite, Joe Barry, falls apart. Your kicker misses a chip shot. I mean, this isn't even like, you know, if it's understandable if you miss like a 50-some-odd yarder. But Honors Carlson missed a chip shot. And then you have Jordan Love piling two picks on top of that. And it was just just a recipe for disaster. So I feel like as the Packers move forward, they're going to get better. But the Niners, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know, maybe you kind of stumbled out of the bye week. Because you know, we've all said that the bye week can be a double-edged sword. As a whole, uh, I think that the Niners should play better going forward. But it is nice to know that the Packers do look at least like they have a good future ahead of them. It's interesting, too, because before the show, we were also saying how uh, the Packers quarterback lineage kind of skipped a generation with all the interceptions as well. Jordan mm-hmm. Love throwing a crossbody, cross the back across the field interception like Brett Favre. Yeah, he's Brett Favre throwing interceptions, and he's Aaron Rodgers in postseason, in postseason yeah. production. Yeah, he's the perfect Packers quarterback. Oh, mm-hmm. it's great. No, I mean it was. I often don't realize just how bad that final drive was. You were given. I was watching that game live, and I'm like, oh, they they had too much time. That's the thing. The Packers were given over a minute, which is an eternity in football. You had two, or perhaps all three of your. time. Yeah, they had all three of their timeouts, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Know. I'll have yeah. to. We'll have to go back and check. I think they had two or all of their timeouts. What does Jordan Love do? He he gets scared. He rolls out of the pocket and throws an absolute duck to Dre Greenlaw. Um, let me also say, um, it doesn't. This doesn't say anything negative about the 49ers. We're in the postseason. You're going to see some ugly football. You're going to see some close games. Everyone is competitive, and you have a Packers team that did not have much pressure on them. They were playing with house money, and they weren't even supposed to be there to begin with. Teams play up to competition. It happens. And, you know, what does that make the 2014 Baltimore Ravens? 
No, they they exposed the Patriots. They really exposed them for what they really are. They were crying the over there. 2014. They won uh-huh. the they won the Super Bowl in the year in the year 2014. No, that's 2013. Oh, oh no, that's 2012. 20, 2014. Oh, the Patriots won in 2014. But they like... did. That's that is my point. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. That's my I point. They were, were really. The they were really you gotta you gotta let me finish my making my point. You can't you can't cut me off right. before I before I get to the punchline. Well, the pause. Well, the pause. Right, I had a Biden moment. What? I said I had a Biden moment. I'm sorry. I started yelling. The 2014 rate. Let me tell you something. They really exposed the Patriots, didn't they? Yeah, they were they were really crying during their duck parade and uh, their uh, their champagne showers after celebrating the Super Bowl victory. It's listen, teams teams play up to competition, and I, what I, this is I I can't stand this argument where this you you know you have you, like you 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 have a bad game, but you still win the game, especially in the postseason, where I see more value is on your bad days, not on your good days. On a good day, any team can blow out anybody. But on your bad days, how do you do? Do you still win the games? If you still win on a bad day where your your quarterback doesn't look quite how he should, that's where I see more value. It's also why I can't stand people's argument against, against Tom Brady's performance in 2018. Yeah, he had a bad game, but he scraped his stuff together and he was able to make throws when he absolutely needed to to win the game. Two dots to Rob Gronkowski in triple coverage in the fi- in their final drive. Oh, well, Sony Michelle ran it in. How did they get to the goal line, you morons? Jesus, I can't stand it. it it's how it's how you capitalize on momentum. You know, it's it, it's how you capitalize on momentum. And you know, the 49ers took control of the momentum that they got from the missed field goal and went down and scored. Exactly. You know? And we can even talk about momentum for the for when we get to the Chiefs Bills game in that matter as well. But sure. It's how do you react to the situation at hand? How do you react to the situation that's handed to you on a silver platter? Exactly. It's it's such a statistical argument. Well, Brock Purdy didn't have the best statistical game. He only threw for one touchdown, and it was to George Kittle. And then you also get the idiots who are saying, well, he had three dropped interceptions. He should have had three interceptions. You can't, you can't count three interceptions that are dropped for one guy and not count them for the other guy. Because if you're counting dropped interceptions, Jordan Love would have four. So it's not a good argument to be made. It's you, you cannot. And I also, I also look at it towards Jordan Love and uh, not blaming him and blaming the kicker. Why are you blaming the kicker for the missed field goal, but not Jordan Love for two horrible picks and two picks that should have been interceptions too? It's not a good argument to be made. You can't, we're not gonna we're not gonna play this this excuses game. We're not gonna play the well. You barely got out alive. You're gonna get killed in the Super Bowl. That happens sometimes. Bad it's teams also- play up to competition. I don't know if you guys saw um, the interview that Matt LaFleur had or whatever, where he said that whenever Carlson goes out for the kick, he goes to uh, Bucci. Uh, who's the defense? Who's the um, assistant coach that was the intern for the Raiders? It was uh, Bucci. Busaccia. Busaccia. I keep wanting to see Bucci Aglia, but I'm thinking 
No, that's Bisaccia, yeah. Yeah, but he goes to Bisaccia and says a prayer every time Carlson goes out. Oh. It, it's such a weird thing to do or, I guess, have let out to the media. Huh. Like, yeah, I'm openly saying I do not have faith in my kicker. Like, imagine Bill Belichick doing that for Chad Ryland. Yeah. I'm sure he, does, he probably does. It, you know. <laughs> Which he probably yeah. does, but he doesn't let that out to the media. It's it's just such a bad argument. Like, you know, I understand the the kicker the kicker messed up. We got I get it. But how about like how about the quarterback who threw two picks? Like the the quarter the the kicker is not going to be the reason you lose games. It's going to be the rest it's going to be the rest of your team. The quarterback is the quarterback runs the show. Okay, I get games get close, but if you don't leave it, if you don't want to leave it in the hands of your kicker, don't leave it so close that that happens. It's the same thing with the refs. You can't blame the refs for losses because you left it that close to begin with. It's just a bad argument. All right, I want to move on. We have the next NFC game, which is the Lions and the Bucks. Lions beating and heading back to the NFC Championship. That's next. This is the Fumble Ruski Podcast. Welcome back to the Fumble Ruski podcast by Power 88. Seku Weapon Consulting, Adam Wright, Chris Kosich, CJ Medeiros. The Lions beat the Buccaneers 31 to 23. Um, so the, the final score, I guess you could say, is a little misleading because it was 31 to 17 up until the end of the game. The, within the lap the last four and a half minutes, they did the the Buccaneers did pull within one score at 31 to 23. They weren't able to capitalize on it. Um, but guys, what are your thoughts? CJ, I took the last two games. You can start. Oh, thank you. You are very generous. So Lions Buccaneers. Huh? Ain't that something? I, I just the Lions, man. I, I'm not going to touch on the final timeout that Tampa may or may not have had. That does not interest me. But it it does the heart good to just see the Lions finally going to an NFC Championship game since the early '90s. I mean, just I, you know, you, you can't help but be happy for them. And you can also give a little bit of a hat tip to Tampa Bay who, you know, revived Baker Mayfield's career, you know, that they had like a decent game in and of themselves. But the Lions, just when the chips were down and it was a back-and-forth game, the Lions found a way to pull through and get it done. This is just a scrappy, like, Motor City tough team. And 
I just th- there's really not a whole lot to go over. I mean, the scoreboard what was a 31-23, you know, makes it look deceptively close. But from the fourth quarter onward, the Lions had a firm command of that game. Let's not let's not let's not make any mistakes here. I like I said, there's really not like a whole whole lot to talk about, but I think we've learned a few things. Jared Goff can be the guy for the Lions. Jameer Gibbs officially was not a reach. I mean, he was at the time, but it's a reach that paid off. And oh my God, it is looking great. Making guys like me, who did not like it at the time, eat crow. And by the way, I also want to highlight the great contribution that Detroit is getting from its rookie class. It had two firsts and two second round picks, and it got, and they got ready. Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, and Brian Branch. Yeah, I dare say home run after home run. They know what they're doing. Maybe they might not win the Super Bowl, but they're building a contender in Detroit if they don't win it this year. But either way, just stay tuned. And as for Tampa, they're at a bit of a crossroads with Mayfield. I'll be interested to see it in what they do, but if I'm them, I'd keep them. I feel like you have to keep Baker at this rate. And CJ, remember my prediction from Friday? Not really, but regale me. Both Goff and Baker were going to throw for over 300 because uh, both teams had top five run defenses and bottom five pass defenses. Yeah. Sounds like someone cashed in on a parlay. I <laughs> was 13 yards off on the Goff prediction. Oh. He had 287. But, I'm sorry. But I was pretty much in a sense pretty right though because baker threw the ball 41 times golf threw the ball 43 times you know i kind of figured it was going to be more of an air raid type of game granted it doesn't mean that both teams didn't run the ball pretty efficiently i mean lions 114 yards on the ground 4.4 per carry bucks 89 yards on the ground 5.9 per carry especially for a bucks team that didn't really have a great run game throughout the entirety of the season, even though you have Rashad White in your backfield and Chase Edmonds as a backup. Chase, not saying that Chase Edmonds is all that a bag of chips, but regardless, I mean, it was definitely an amazing effort that the Bucks put in for this playoff run. You know, the up, the upset against Philly, and you almost come into Detroit and steal a win against a very hungry Lions team. Um, Baker definitely earned himself a contract with Tampa Bay, and I'm hoping to see what he does in the long run. I'm still not sold on the Lions. I'm really not. They like they're a fun, especially the defense, especially the especially the defense, and that does bring me to their. That does bring me to their to their rookie class. It's been a great rookie class. I don't want to take anything away from them. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs has been awesome. Sam Laporta, same with him. But you could have had Christian Gonzalez. I don't want to be that guy who says it, but I, someone has to. You could have had Christian Gonzalez. You could have also had Jordan Addison to have a better passing game. Um, but instead, you're relying on Jameer Gibbs, which is which is good. Jameer Gibbs is an incredible talent. I'm just saying when you lean on your running game too much, when you lean on it and you force 
Jared Goff to throw, you might be in a little bit of trouble. I love Amon Ross St. Brown and I love Sam Laporta, but you could have added jo- uh, you could have added Jordan Addison to that mix, and that that is something that is a miss. I understand that they cashed in on the cor- on the running back that they got. I'm just saying the running back position, if you're leaning on it, then that can become a little bit of a problem because usually teams that are that are structured around their running game do not win Super Bowls. And when you run into the 49ers who are going to throw all over you, then you may be in a little bit of trouble. That's all I have out of this. That's what I got from this. Um but at and, the end of the day, though, that's going to end up having to be the Lions' job to hold on to the ball and make sure that the 49ers don't get on the field, and that's what the running game does, is that you chew clock, keep the ball for yourself as much as possible so you don't let Brock Purdy and CMC and Debo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk be able to do what you will for all the other a lot of time that you've left them. But do you trust? do you trust that defense to do that? Do you trust no. Cam Sutton and Cam? No, and that's exactly. what I'm saying. You could that's have had Christian Gonzalez, and you could have yeah. Cam Sutton and Christian Gonzalez, and you could sure. have also had um, Jordan Addison. Now that comes down to how much you trust Jordan Montgomery in the running game. Um, I trust him enough to be a a serviceable back, a good David enough Montgomery. back for what did I say? Jordan Montgomery. Jeez, I'm yeah. thinking. I'm thinking about my Red Sox too much. <laughs> I'm thinking about who I want. I've said, yeah, I meant David Montgomery. Um, yeah. If Dave, if you want, um, he's a good enough running back so that if that's your running game and you have maybe a back, some backup, a change of pace back, then you can win the Super Bowl with that. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to get. I'm no. I don't want to say that I'm getting on on Jameer Gibbs. They cashed in on that player. I'm just saying, out of all the out of all the positions they could have hit the lottery on, I feel like running back is at the bottom of the list of the players that you want um, to really, because running backs grow on trees. You can find good running backs anywhere. Um, But a great wide receiver, those are pretty hard to find. Um, A great corner like Christian Gonzalez, that's pretty hard to find. You could have had both of those guys. And I would have felt a lot better about this Lions team. Then again, the Lions have already tried a ton of times to hit on that uh, that wide receiver position. Don't forget Jamison Williams, who is still on the team, who absolutely blows now. But that's another conversation for another time. We need to move on. Uh, we're getting on, going on to our final game. We saved the best for last. The Chiefs visiting the Buffalo Bills and what that means for both the Chiefs and the Bills moving forward. The Chiefs, do they have a chance to do it again? We'll tell you exactly all you need to know about their chances next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, Chris Kostich, CJ Medeiros. All right. So the Chiefs went on to the road in the postseason for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career. And in Mahomes' um, let's say road playoff game debut, he won. Came out with a victory. Good for him. Uh, the Bills had a chance to tie it late in the game. It would have been their final possession, most likely. And Tyler Bass, man, missed it. Went wide right. And uh, uh, Buffalo Bills and their missed field goals, man. That's uh, that's going to leave a mark. Um, Yeah. There was also earlier in the game, I guess it's worth noting, uh, the Chiefs had the chance to really uh, lay their foot on the ball, on the Bills' throats with a goal line reach by McCole Hardman. He loses the ball. It goes out the back of the end zone. It's a touchback. We can say all we want about the rules and regulations of that and whether or not they're going to change it. That's for the offseason especially since the team that was a victim of it ended up winning. What do you guys think? Well, it's, I don't even know where to start. You know, it's as much as I hate the bills, you know, you, you got to feel for them. I mean, this is the same organization that went to four straight Super Bowls and didn't win anything. This is the same organization that is now being tortured by, Two wide rights, the same organization that is getting haunted by 13 seconds. It's they just they just can't win. And for any new any people anyone that's becoming a Bills fan, I I wish you luck. I really do because you're just going to be tortured with just straight misery for your entire life, and that's just the life of a Buffalo Bills fan for the game. It's easy enough to say that Andy Reed outcoached Sean McDermott. It's easy to say that Josh Allen can't get it done in the playoffs. It's easy to say all these things. And really at the end of the day, it's the Buffalo. And I know Adam likes to trash on CJ for saying that the Cowboys are inevitable to lose in the playoffs isn't analytical, but I'm just going to steal CJ's page at this point and say that it is inevitable for the Buffalo bills to be tortured at this rate. It is inevitable. And you know what else is inevitable, Eh, inevitable Patrick Mahomes. He is inevitable. He is like Tom Brady. Tom Brady was inevitable. And that's what we're seeing with the Kansas city chiefs. Now is that, no matter what you do, Patrick Mahomes will somehow find a way to get the win. And that's that's just the long and the short of it, really. Um, now, there was a lot of moments in this game that just made me scratch my head, you know. And obviously, the fake punt comes to mind. And when you try to give DeMar Hamlin a make-a-wish play, it, you're on your own 30. You're on your own 30-yard line. It's fourth and five. I don't care if you – apparently they had they had the look. They had the look. 
but you're fourth and five on your own 30. If you want to go for it fourth and two from your own 40 and do that, go right ahead. But you're on your own 30-yard line. There's 12 and a half minutes left. You got time. There's no reason to take this type of risk. It's not like your season is on the line in this one moment. It's it's just baffling that you would even try to think that that's really a good decision to even make. And then you get handed the ball back on the touchback. And this is what we were saying about the 49ers in the Green Bay game. How do you handle the moments when they're handed to you on a silver platter? And the Bills drive down, and they miss on two plays to the end zone. When they didn't really even need to take a shot at the end zone at this point either. They still had around two minutes to go to work with. They still had time to get the first downs and to at least kill the clock. Because if they were a score on that pass to Shakir, then you still are giving Patrick Mahomes almost two minutes to work with. And we already saw what he did with 13 seconds to work with. What do you think he's going to do with two minutes? It's... And, you know... You know, I'll just leave it to CJ because next thing I'll say can can wait for after. Oh, the Buffalo Bills. They're really something, aren't they? A real bunch of characters. You know what? I'm not going to mince words. It's time to grind my axe. This loss says far more about the Bills than it does about the Chiefs. Buffalo, you were up. You were up and you choked. You could have finished the Chiefs off and you just let them march all over you with a weaponsless Patrick Mahomes and letting the Taylor Swift bandwagoners just just take over, man, on social media. It's not a good look. And Chris already spoke of that trick play that you ran with resident feel-good story and unjust comeback player of the year winner, Damar Hamlin. What? Why would you do that? This is something that a two-year-old starring their first Madden franchise wouldn't do. And the Chiefs aside, yeah, we all know, same song to answer about the AFC Championship. You know, they're like the new age Pats dynasty. But... This loss says so much more about Buffalo. I am incapable of stressing that enough. Everyone says Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. It's the new Brady Manning. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. Because Brady Manning, even though Brady did get the lion's share of the wins, was actually competitive. This is like Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers. This is really what it is. Let's speak truth to power. And, and. Let's go back and look at the five Josh Allen playoff victories. Do you know who he beat? Well, I'm going to tell you. He beat the old Chris. (laughs) I was going to answer that for you. (laughs) He beat old man Philip Rivers on his goodbye tour. He beat the Ravens that lost Lamar Jackson early to mid third quarter to a concussion, which saw him never come back. He beat rookie Mac Jones. He beat Dolphins backup Skylar Thompson, and he beat Mason Rudolph. 
this team is reeking of fraudulence. And a lot of it, a lot of people want to point the finger at Allen, and I do as well. But it's Sean McDermott. This man is an unserious head coach. Whenever there's a team that is around Buffalo's level, maybe not evenly matched, maybe they're a little bit better, maybe that team's a little bit worse, nine out of ten times, Sean McDermott will get out coached. When we think about the top ten best teams in the NFL, right, Buffalo's always there. But notice, when we think about the top ten best head coaches in the league, maybe on a good day, McDermott is fringe top ten. I don't care if you made the playoffs. I don't care if you made a playoff game. It is becoming blatantly obvious you will not win with McDermott because he can't, he continues to be outcoached by the Andy Reeds and even like the Zach Taylors of the world. Yeah. And to go a little step further on your Mahomes versus Allen thing, it, I wanted to believe that this could be present day. Brady and Manning. But the problem is that, you know, the thing with Brady and Manning is that Brady had all the rings, Manning had all the MVPs, and Manning couldn't get it done in the playoffs. This, Mahomes is all the MVPs in the rings. Josh Allen doesn't have shit. He doesn't have anything. He's more just Ben Roethlisberger, more than Philip Rivers. He gets a couple wins against Brady here and there. But he couldn't ever beat him in the playoffs. And that's what's happening with uh, Mahomes and Allen. There isn't really, there isn't a true present day Manning versus Brady. I wanted to believe that prior to the game. I wanted to. And that's why I said in the group chat that it was a bad take when Adam brought it up because I wanted to believe it. It's not a, yeah, because it's not a bad take. I, I wanted to, I wanted to believe that this could be it. And the similarities were very, they were similar. They were very similar. And yeah. But the problem is that Josh Allen isn't an MVP. He's not going to win MVP with 18 interceptions. You're not going to make a deep playoff run with 18 interceptions. That's the long and the short of it. Right. But like, the, here's the, here's the real reason why you cannot compare Mahomes, uh, Mahomes Allen versus uh, Brady Manning. The reason is because when like let's because we're I, I assume that we're comparing Allen in this in this analogy to Manning, right? Was yeah. there any quarterback outside of Brady that we were comparing to Manning? No. There was no quarterback in the AFC we could compare them to. There was no conversation about Ben Roethlisberger or Phillip Rivers being better. But with Josh Allen. You can make a case Joe Burrow's better. You could also make a case at this point Lamar Jackson is better. Hell, you can make a case that Justin Herbert's better and he's in a he's in a very bad situation. And now CJ Stroud is rising up. Like that's there's no there's no comparison there. Peyton Manning, there was no conversation for anyone to be better than him besides Tom Brady. This is a little different now. So that's where that's where I draw the line. I think this is Walmart brand Brady versus Manning. And it's such a forced rivalry just because they've faced each other a bunch of times. That doesn't mean anything. Right? I mean, like there's there's a lot of it's just a bad argument. The the there's, only difference the only difference between Allen and Mahomes and Brady and Manning is that Mahomes and Allen have had some instant classics 
were at like at this point of their career. Yeah, Brady Manning had a few instant classics here and there, but for the most part, it's the Patriots beating the living hell out of the Colts. So it's even even back then at this point, the Brady Manning rivalry wasn't even that much of a rivalry. It was. It was it because was, they were fa- like, is it really a rivalry if one team is just getting all the wins? In the regular season, yes, but it, the reason it's a rivalry is because of the postseason. The postseason, it was it was whoever was the home team won. Josh Allen just had his first home game in this rivalry in the postseason, and they didn't show up. So you have to think about that too. At yeah. least with at least when you bring Joe Burrow into this argument, Joe Burrow actually went into Arrowhead and beat him several times. Actually, it's not just in the postseason. They're one and one against each other in the in the postseason, and actually looking at the uh, looking at the regular season, Burrow's had him every time. Mm-hmm. So that's a better argument than than uh, uh, Mahomes Allen. So that's yeah. why I just think this is such a forced rivalry. Just because you face each other a bunch of times doesn't make it a rivalry. It just means you're both competitive, so therefore you're going to meet each other in the postseason a lot. And because you're both competitive, the schedule makers are going to put you on the schedule in the regular season a bunch of times. That's the only argument that I hold. I just think this is it's so forced, and it really needs to stop. At it this just point, needs, this, the league needs Joe Burrow back. The league needs Joe Burrow back and playing at a high level again. Because this, I mean, just just looking at the the entire NFL this season, it was just a garbage season. Such a bad year. We need Burrow back. I will. So going away from that and back to the game itself um, and more towards the Buffalo side, um, maybe, here's, here's a little take, maybe you think about going away from McDermott. Or if you don't go away from McDermott, like this off season next year could potentially be his last year. Cause at this point, so many times where they have been in the playoffs and they can't get over the hump, maybe they need a little shakeup. Maybe they need a little shakeup and that comes in the head coaching department. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. said that they might need to do that. All right. We're going to have to change. Um, that's all the scheduled content we have for today. What do you guys think? Um, what do you guys have anything left before besides, you nope. besides Brian Johnson being fired, but oh my god, best thing to ever happen to that team. And it it, it really helps those rumors where they were saying that if uh if Sirianni's going to stay, they need to fire both their co- their coordinators. And I'm yeah, pretty and sure I'm, they've already done both, right? Yeah, offensive yeah, defensive coordinator's gone too. Right? He might be next. If he's not, then if he's not gone yet, then I think he might be next. He I'm might pretty be sure gone. he's gone. I'm pretty Is sure it? he's gone. I I got the notification yesterday. I'm gonna just double check it real quick. Also, let me just say, apparently, the GM Howie Roseman, head coach Nick Sirianni, and the owner Jeffrey Lurie at a sit down. That's his name, right, Jeffrey Lurie? Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Brian Johnson, oh yeah, I think Desai, their defensive coordinator, has been fired. Yes, this is ESPN. Matt Patricia is not only losing his own job, but he's also losing jobs for other people. That is, yeah, that's great to that's see. That's true. And 
the thing was, they told Sirianni, yeah, we're upset with the season, but we're, you won't be fired, but they basically told him, but both of your coordinators are gone, and rightfully so. Right, yeah. I, I mentioned that a little a uh, few minutes ago, but um, definitely was a, was a thing that needed to happen because both sides of the ball, they were underachieving towards the end of the season. All right, that'll be do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Fridays at 5 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast and our TikTok at FumbleRooskiePod to keep up with our podcast and latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.